G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Nobody likes to waste money. Not many people choose to walk away from money that's theirs. Have you? Pastor Greg Laurie says, maybe you have. There are $5.8 billion in gift cards that go unclaimed every year. Think of all those gift cards unclaimed. All that money not utilized. So here's the Bible filled with gift cards, if you will. Gift cards! Because the Bible is filled with promises and all you have to do is claim them. This is the day when the lost are found. gives you change back, do you take some and put it in your pocket? No, you take it all. And when you lodge your tax return, do you tell the ATO to keep the refund for themselves? I doubt it. If something belongs to us, we take it. Thank you very much. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out the blessings and promises that God has made available to us. Many of us have never taken advantage of them. Maybe we don't even know what they are. There's always more to learn. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, who was the leader of the Medo-Persians. This had to be a man that the king could trust. Actually, it had to be a man that the king liked because he spent a lot of time with him because whenever food was served to the king, Nehemiah ate it first. And basically, if Nehemiah died, the king would not eat that food. And he would need a cupbearer, a new one rather. And he would drink of the cup before the king would drink of it. But in time he became the confidant of the king. He became the counselor to the king. In many ways he was the second most powerful man in all of the nation at this point. So a very successful job and a super cushy one at that and you wouldn't want to jeopardize it. But despite this luxurious life, Nehemiah was concerned about others. That's where his heart was. In a perfect world, he didn't want to be in the palace. He wanted to be in the temple. In other words, he had the finest this world has to offer, but he wanted to be with God and with God's people, and he cared about them. So he asks about them. So we're in Nehemiah chapter one, starting in verse one. And by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In late autumn, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well, for those who return to the province of Judah are in great trouble. And disgrace, the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Drop down to verse seven. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted 
and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down now and see me praying day and night for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations you gave us through your servant Moses. We'll stop there. Now here are some principles on how to pray from Nehemiah. Principle number one if you're taking notes. Because God answered this prayer. If you want your prayers answered, pray Nehemiah's way. Principle number one, he acknowledged the greatness of God. He acknowledged the greatness of God. Look at verse five again. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and keep his commands. Oh, great and awesome God. I love that. You know the word awesome is still very popular, isn't it? That's just awesome. <laughs> that was an awesome burger, wasn't it? Oh, that was an awesome movie. Oh, you look awesome today. We throw the word around a lot. You want to get real technical? Only God is completely awesome. And that's what he says. You're awesome, Lord. What does awesome mean? It means you're awe-inspiring. I'm, I'm speechless, Lord. And consider this. When you see God in his greatness, you will see your problems in their relative smallness. I'm not diminishing your problems because you might be here today with a big problem, a big challenge, something that's kind of scary even. But your God's bigger. Your God's way bigger than your problem. So that's something that you should always remind yourself of. So when you approach God, oh Lord, you're the almighty God. You're the great God. You're the creator God. You're the sovereign God. Why do I say that? I'm just getting things in perspective before I even start. And is this not what Jesus taught us in what we call the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the model for all prayer, does not start with my needs. I don't say, our Father who art in heaven, give me this day my daily bread. No, I say, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed, set apart, be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm contemplating God in his greatness. Number two, Nehemiah reminded God of his promises. He says in verse five, the God who keeps his covenant. Did Nehemiah need to jog God's memory? Does God forget stuff? No, he doesn't. He said, wait, Greg, the Bible says, God speaking, your sins and Iniquities, well, I remember no more, so he forgets our sins. Yeah, but there's a difference between literally forgetting things and choosing to not remember things. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. So why would you remind God of something when you pray? Well, in a way, you're reminding yourself as much as you're reminding God. God, you promised to provide us uh, for all of our needs. So we're praying in light of that. Sort of like when a teacher gives an exam and they find that the students have learned the material. That's very pleasing to the teacher. You know, sometimes people will come up to me after I spoke and say, great sermon, Pastor. And I go, well, thank you very much. What in the message spoke to your heart? Um, well, <clears throat> great sermon, Pastor. And they just walked in. You know, you weren't listening. 
And I appreciate the gesture, but if you say, you know, it's when you made this one point, it really spoke to me. See, that, that brings me joy, because okay, something got through, right? Half the time, you know, I'll work on a message for a long time, and I'll have the analogy about a dog, and they'll go, I love the dog story, really? Is that all, just the dog stories? That all you remember? Well, it's something, I guess. But the point is, is that when someone hears what you say, that's wonderful. And so when we say, Lord, I've been reading your promises and I remember your promises and I'm reminding you of your promises, that's a good thing. See, that reminds us that we don't just read through the Bible, we pray through the Bible. Because the Bible is filled with promises. Someone estimated there are 3,000 promises to believers found on the pages of Scripture. 3,000. Now, I don't know if that number is accurate. If you want to go check this week and get a new number to me, I might use your number for a while. But then I read the other day that there are $5.8 billion in gift cards that go unclaimed every year. And you know about that. Do you have gift cards you've not claimed? How many of you have unclaimed gift cards? I have a few laying around. Think of all those gift cards unclaimed. All that money not utilized. So here's the Bible filled with gift cards, if you will. Gift cards. It's already paid for. You just need to cash them in. And there's so many promises God has given. You say, well, what are they? Well, let me just give you four quick ones. Number one, God says you'll never be alone in life. You'll never be alone in life. Isaiah 41.10, the Lord says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm the Lord your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Number two, God will get you through whatever you're facing. Isaiah 43, two, God says, when you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you'll not be burned up and the flames will not consume you. On A New Beginning today, Pastor Greg Laurie is bringing a message called The Rebuilt Life. Thanks for joining us. Pastor Greg is the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And in this message today, he's highlighting some of the rich promises that God has made available to believers, promises we often overlook. Here's another one. God will provide for your needs. Do you have financial needs right now? Here's what God says, Jesus speaking, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And all these things was a reference to an earlier statement he made when he said, don't be like non-believers who obsess about what they're gonna wear and what they're gonna drink and what they're gonna eat. Jesus is saying, put God first, seek him first, and all these things will be added to you. Malachi 3.10, God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and there'll be enough food in my temple and if you do, I'll open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it, put it to the test. Have you ever put God to the test in tithing? Say, well, I don't believe in tithing. Well, God does and everyone should tithe. That's where we start. And you say, well, I don't wanna tithe. Well, you don't have to tithe. But I'll tell you what, God promises if we're faithful in our giving to Him, He will provide for us and He even says, Put me to the test on this one. That's very interesting because he doesn't say that anywhere else. And also God will forgive us of all of our sins. First John 1.8 says, if we'll confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us 
our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, that's four promises. There's 2,966 more. So go claim them. And speaking of confession of sin, that's what Nehemiah did next. Look at verse seven. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, me and my own family, we have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Notice the use of the word we, and my own family, and I have sinned. You know, it's easy to point fingers at everyone else and say they are the problem. It's them. The whole world's against me. I don't know why everyone dislikes me. I don't know why everyone's getting angry at me. They're all so wrong. Did it ever occur to you it's you? It comes as a revelation to some people. Could it be you? (laughs) Why is everyone upside down with you? Why are so many people hurt by you? Maybe it's you. So why don't you stop pointing the finger? Because have you ever noticed if you point one finger out, three are pointing back at you? (laughs) So you say, Lord, my marriage is in trouble. This lousy husband, he needs to repent. Or Lord, this ungrateful wife doesn't know how hard I work. Or these miserable children. Lord, it's just they want so many things. Just change them, change them, change everyone. Did you ever stop and say, Lord, change me? Heard a story about a little boy who was sent to his room for misbehaving. He told his mom he thought it over and said a prayer. She said, very good. You should pray that God will help you not to misbehave. He said, oh, I didn't ask God to help me not to misbehave. I asked him to help you put up with me. (laughs) What about you changing? Stop complaining about your wife and pray that God will help you to be a more godly husband. Stop complaining about your husband and pray that God will help you to be a more godly wife and better parents and on it goes. Start with you. It's you and then it's we. Listen folks, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Heard about two old ladies who had never flown before. They were afraid of jet planes so they found a prop plane flying to where they wanted to go and and they took their seat and they were a little nervous and suddenly they heard a loud noise. One of the ladies looked out the window on the other side of the plane and saw the engine had stopped. She turned to her friend and said, what do we do? And her friend said, I wouldn't worry about that. That's their side of the plane. Well, it'll affect you too. (laughs) So it's very easy to say, well, if so-and-so would do this, everything would be better. Okay, so-and-so maybe needs to do that, but you can't control so-and-so, so let's just start with you. You know, we talk about these walls of Israel. Walls mattered back in those days. They were defensive, of course. They kept enemies out. And especially the gate of the city was where commerce was done. It was also where The elders would meet and they would make important decisions. They were a place of authority, so they meant a lot. And in our life we have walls sort of built around us and sometimes those walls start breaking down. You know, we compromise a little here, we compromise a little there, and then the weeds start growing in and the problems start developing. Maybe we need to go about rebuilding our own walls personally. Maybe it needs to start with a prayer where we just see ourselves as we really are. Listen, if you're not a Christian, let me tell you, you're true state before God. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. Because there's nothing you can do 
to earn your way into heaven. But the good news is, as God loved you so much, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago on a rescue mission to die on the cross for your sin and to pay the price for all the wrongs you've done, then to rise again three days later. You need Jesus. <laughs> and even after you've known the Lord for months and years and then decades, you still need Jesus. You need Jesus every day and every night and every month and every year, from your first year to your last. And sometimes we start well and we just get off track. And we need to recommit ourselves to Christ and we need to rebuild broken down walls and that might be some of you now. So we're gonna close in prayer and I'm gonna extend an invitation for some of you to believe in Jesus for the first time and also an invitation for some of you to recommit your life to Him because, well, the walls in your marriage, the walls in your life, the walls in your testimony, they're, they're broken down and in some cases they're in rubble. But God can help you to rebuild those walls again. But it starts with seeing God in His greatness, confessing my sin, and calling out to Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word to us today. And I pray for anyone here, anyone watching, wherever they might be, who does not know You yet. Lord, help them to see that what they really long for in life is You. They long for Jesus. I pray that Your Holy Spirit will convict and convince them of their need for You and help them to come to You and believe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. And if you'd like to make a change today in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg would love to help you right now. You that want to make this commitment or recommitment to Christ, I want you to pray right now. And if you mean this prayer from your heart, God will hear you. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And that's a step you'll be taking now. Pray this after me. God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin, but I thank you for sending Jesus Christ, your son, to die on the cross in my place. Now I turn from my sin and I choose to follow you this day forward as your disciple. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. And congratulations if you've prayed that prayer. We'd love to help you by sending something called our New Believers Growth Packet. It's a great way to get started living as a Christian. We'll send it to you free of any charge or obligation. It'll answer some of the questions you might have and help you build a solid foundation for your faith. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you call 1-800-005011. Well, tomorrow, as we continue our study in the book of Nehemiah, Pastor Greg brings insight on the vital role of prayer in the life of the productive believer. Hope you can join us. Same time tomorrow. today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The Rebuilt Life. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.